Welcome back to Impactful Experiences with Sierra Ty Brownlee, where I chat with a new guest each episode and ask them to share one of their impactful experiences. This is your host, Sierra, and I want to thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy. Today, I'm joined by Elizabeth Colmsetter, current Director of Talent and Engagement Division at NASA, living in Arlington, Virginia. Thank you so much, Elizabeth, for being on the podcast today. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's absolutely my pleasure to be with you. Thank you. Thank you. Anytime. I think we'll just hop right in and if you'd be willing to dive into your experience. Oh, I am just very happy to talk a little bit about a meaningful experience for me in my life was really my opportunity to help stand up the Transportation Security Administration after the horrific and tragic events of 9-11 And I was able as an industrial organizational psychologist to actually be asked to serve on the initial team to figure out how we were going to hire and federalize all the airports across the country Mm -hmm. and get people safely back on airplanes. And I think that for me, you know, this kind of an experience comes along once in a lifetime when you can really make a difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that is such an amazing experience. And if you could maybe just dive into it a little deeper and explain kind of your role and what that entailed. Absolutely. Yes. And in fact, it's actually very interesting to me that in just a few weeks, we will be at the 20th year anniversary of the events of 9-11, which to me feel like yesterday. Um, I actually was working in DC. I was three blocks from the White House Mm-hmm. I saw the Pentagon on fire. Oh my gosh. I was impacted. I had two-year-old twins at the time. Yeah. I immediately thought, where's my family? Are they uh-huh. safe? What's happening? I think it was the worst day or most most stressful and anxiety-provoking day of my life. A fear just struck uh-huh. uh, in all of us. And so I had to evacuate my agency. And I felt you know, like I had to make a difference. I had to do something about this. Um, It really shut down our whole country. We were just in fear and shock. And I felt uh, probably because I had been a public servant um, for over 10 years at that time. I've been over 25 years actually in the government. And I think I always felt a call to service. But at that moment, I felt I've got to do something to help my country to help Mm -hmm. uh, after this. And so I actually was able to, for my agency, write a white paper Uh, and actually ask, you know, submit, how can we help you? We were already developing workforce standards and certification programs for federal workforces. So it really lent itself to actually helping this new agency, TSA, Mm -hmm. stand up and federalize 450 airports across the nation. The, The Congress said in one year, you've got to hire and train 55,000 airport screeners at every airport Mm -hmm. and get people safely on planes and flying again, because as everybody will remember, our economy plummeted at the time. um, And it was just a very big impact on our country. And so I really did feel that call to service. I know what it means when people say they felt that call to service. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to bring my skills and my passion for helping people and making sure we had a really strong workforce able to do the job. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, What was your role at the time? And 
what was your like part in this transformation? Yeah, so as I mentioned before, I am an industrial and organizational psychologist, which basically is psychology applied in the workplace. And my specialty areas are in selection systems and performance management for workforces. So okay. what I was was really responsible for doing was making sure we designed a hiring system, including yeah. tests and assessments and evaluations for this new federal screener workforce. And it was okay. a new job because after yeah. the um, federal took over, they defined and we had to define the new way that airport screening was to be done. So it wasn't like, well, here's how it's always been done. Design a test for this. It was also figuring out what were those new skills and higher levels of certification we needed to ensure this new level of security for our airport transportation system. So yeah. as an expert in the field, I made sure all the tests were valid, that they would withstand legal scrutiny because unfortunately we did have a number of lawsuits after the fact because you know part of this was actually replacing the private sector screeners um, that before the federal government took over were in these jobs. And so we knew that we had to withstand the scrutiny um, to make sure not only did the workforce have the skills to do the job, but that if those who had been doing the job did were not able to pass the test, that they were what we call valid tests and able to show the job relatedness mm -hmm. to what skills were actually needed. Yeah. And so we really had to make sure it met all of the legal requirements. And so that was my job in doing that. And then <laughs> I started that and then I actually transferred over to be part of the TSA and ended up as the deputy chief human capital officer responsible for the workforce systems at TSA. And um, that was a really a great privilege because I just love the workforce. I love the screener workforce. They're amazing <laughs> men and women. As I say, they have to put their hands in bags that might have bombs in them and knives in them. Yeah. And um, they really are so committed. And we really want to make sure they had really good career paths and as the best kind of compensation we could get for them mm -hmm. and other workforce initiatives that I was able to do after the initial hiring. Yeah, definitely. Um, you mentioned a little earlier that you had to complete this in the span of a year. So what was that like just given that direction and then really having to like really quickly get all this done? What a great question. I, I'm glad you asked that because I think in terms of a meaningful experience, the best part of this was not that I got to do it, but that I got to work with the greatest team I have ever worked with. The people that actually came and did this, I call it a miracle because everybody was singularly focused on getting the job done, securing, like I said, getting this agency stood up, securing the airports, yeah. the airways, getting the public back on airplanes and traveling safely. And the fact of seeing so many people who all had the same purpose and come together from such diverse perspectives. We had private sector companies helping us, Disney, uh, FedEx, Nike, Marriott, wow. all came to help us set up the customer service standards. Mm -hmm. You know, FedEx was good at moving packages across yeah. the country really well. So we needed to understand how, what kind of processes could we use at the airports that they had already 
tackled. So we learned so much, but it was a coming together, public, private sector, people from all walks of life to say, let's get this done for our country. And that's the way it got done in a year, because <laughs> in law, we had to federalize every airport in one year. Um, it, it ended up being the largest civilian hiring in the history of our country to wow. do that in such a short time. And the success was that we actually did see the public start traveling and in the projections where it would take two more years, it was two years sooner than was projected because I think of the skills and training and the dedication of the workforce that we put into place to get this going. And I really was so proud of that. But I think being part of a team and seeing the best of humans come out after a crisis like that, where you see the best in our country and the best of people, you know, they really weren't there for their egos or for yeah. their own personal, uh -huh. you know, uh, success or what they could do for their own, um, you know, promotion or advancement. They were there because the calling to do this and get it done. And like I said, we were a 24 seven, 365 operation. Um, people just, and, and oh, by the way, back then we had flip phones. We did yeah. not have smartphones. <laughs> we had flip phones. So I like to say we started the agency with a blank piece of paper and a flip phone, and we were all running around <laughs> with flip phones and trying to design this and, and figure it out. And it was, it was mm -hmm. just so, it was, it was very stressful, but it was exciting because you just didn't have the I don't know what you call just the layers of stuff that you have to go through in organizations. It was like, just let's figure out how to get this done. Yeah. Um, and that was really what I take away. I got to meet the most amazing people and work with them. And again, it was just a coming together of an incredible dedicated group of people. And that's what to me was the meaningful experience. And, and I, I really treasure that because I see during very hard times in our country, like now in the pandemic, mm -hmm. that if you bring people together and, you know, really have a singular focus and a purpose, it can get done. We can, we can just surmount extraordinary obstacles and do the impossible. It is possible to do the impossible yeah. with the right people, with the right purpose. So that's okay. what just energizes me. And I really feel like, again, it was a privilege to be part of that. Um, and I carry that with me every day. Yeah, yeah. Kind of segueing um, from what you just said, you kind of touched a little bit on um, how you truly really remember that experience. What made you choose to share this experience and how do you think it has had an influence on you after the fact? Yeah, I, I really, I've had a lot of meaningful experiences <laughs> and a lot of things that I could talk about. Um, like I said, I've had a federal career that has been amazing. I, I really believe that people, you know, want purpose in their lives. They want to bring their, their talent and their passion towards something that's important. And so um, I've had a lot of extraordinary opportunities as a public servant. But again, this one, I think because of the crisis and the amount of it affected so many people and yeah. it was such a painful time and it really brought the war of terror and terrorism really here on our soil in this country that was sort of a wake up call of, you know, the world is, there's imbalance, there's so many things going on that, you know, 
we do need national security. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like I was kind of thrown into that, that level of understanding. And again, I'm just so, just so honored to work as a, as a public servant and get to meet people who put their lives on the line every day, the law enforcement, mm-hmm. the security officers. I mean, I think it just felt to me a bit humbling that I don't do that every day. I mean, yeah. I watch, I've helped people and I just, it recommitted me to, again, using my psychology background to really helping yeah. those people who choose to, you know, really offer themselves to this country in service how can we make their lives, their work lives better? You know, mm-hmm. and I fight a lot for better compensation and better uh, career advancement because they deserve it. And I think that's mm-hmm. really what sort of, for me, catalyzed me into thinking about my own, you know, my own skills and what can I bring and do to make this better. Uh, yeah. So that's sort of how I, I really chose this again, not because it is something people remember and people certainly in my generation um, will always remember where they were on 9-11 as as we saw the planes hitting um, targets, passenger planes, you know, innocent people uh, and and are in a terrible, horrific, you know, devastation that caused. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it's, it's, and of course, the loss of lives. So I think that's really, you know, a way for me to think about, well, there is there a silver lining in these? Is there a way for us to be better and to do better things for each other, take care of each other, take care of what what matters most, yeah. um, you know, in, in our lives? And I think that's really what I always think of when I have a bad day. It's like, <laughs> we can do amazing things. Yeah. Just remember, you're working with people who are working really hard um, to make things better and improve lives and, you know, protect our, our, our you know, the, the people in this country and the people who work to, to serve this country. So there's a little part that I can do. And I still do. I didn't stay, I stayed five and a half years at TSA. Yeah. And then I moved on, but I still have many, many friends. I stay in touch yeah. with a lot the folks that that we work with and we we always text each other mm-hmm. on 9-11 and we say we will never forget and then on November 19th which is the anniversary of the signing of the legislation that gave us one year mm-hmm. uh, so the one year anniversary of us federalizing the the airports and the security workforce so yeah. we, we have a couple of anniversaries that really we all reflect on and mm-hmm. talk about how it has changed our lives yeah, definitely. Um, after you kind of completed this transformation, did this affect where you wanted to go career-wise or what you wanted to work on maybe like, like in the next few years? Yes, I think I was a little tired <laughs> because the pace, yeah, the pace yeah. was um, actually, as I said, it was really 24-7 for the first two years and um, things continued to to evolve Homeland Security, the Department of Homeland Security stood up actually in 2003, which was about two years, well, about a year and a half after uh, the TSA stood up. So mm-hmm. that was a big transition to move into Homeland Security. And of course, lots of change and lots of work there. So it was, it was a time of lots of uh, complex 
sort of organizational issues, culture issues, design mm-hmm. issues, workforce issues, um, which was great. And I, I really enjoyed learning. And again, like I said, the diversity of people and different aspects, but I was sort of ready to um, get out of the frontline work yeah. and do a little bit more, trying to do a little bit more in the policy setting mm-hmm. and get back to some of the things that I really I really enjoy, which is leadership development, mm-hmm. um, workforce culture and engagement, and really trying to do some things large scale um, for organizations. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I mean, I, I guess I, I, <laughs> I kind of found myself being a change leader and I got recruited to continue to take my change leadership into mm-hmm. other organizations, which okay. actually then led to me to be come to, to come to NASA, yeah. which was really exciting. And it was, I mean, I love NASA. It is, it is the best place to work on earth <laughs> in such a way because you study everything else, the earth and everything else beyond. And um, being in what I call an R and D, a research and development scientific organization has mm-hmm. been a really, really exciting for me um, because I think that this workforce they are really just incredibly talented and smart and trying to do the impossible in a different way. They're trying yeah. to discover, advance our human race to, you know, other planets and think about what life beyond and what, what could be in the future. Um, and that has been really exciting for me from, again, being in a, in a, in an operational agency where we're in a day to day, you know, service delivery to the American people to being the more inspirational, aspirational agency who not only put the first man on the moon, but we're getting ready to put the first woman and the first person of color on the moon so Mm -hmm. that we can get on to Mars. So that has been um, a really nice shift um, to work with a workforce uh, and again, leadership and really thinking about the future and what potential and human potential could be in that future. Very cool. Going back to a little bit of your time at TSA, it kind of made me think whenever you go to an airport, do you just think like, wow, I was able to play like some role in this? Yeah. I really do. That's so funny because it is true. People think, oh, well, you were, even when I was at TSA, but even after like, well, can you just walk through the you know checkpoint and not have to go through screening and get pat down and all of that? And I said, oh no, I go oh, through no. I have to go through just like everybody else. Um, Back in the day, of course, it was fun because when I flew out of the DC airports, I knew a lot of the screeners because we had done a lot of the the screeners at the airports around the DC area. Um, So they knew me and I got to say hi to them. But one of the things I'd love your listeners to do and take away from this is please, as you travel through the airport, say thank you to the screener. Just say thank Mm -hmm. you. Thank you for your service. Thank you for what you do. Because as I go through those checkpoints, I know what their days are like. They're on their feet. They are dealing with a very frustrated public who they want to get to their planes, right? They just, you are, these screeners are between them and the getting on their travel to get Mm -hmm. on with visiting family or a work, uh, you know, situation, whatever it, it may be. And so the screeners get a lot of inpatient, frustrated yeah. travelers, tired travelers, especially when you know planes don't go on time or the disruption. So I always remind people they are there to protect you 
and you want them to do a really good job because mm-hmm. in the first, I remember this statistic it sticks out in my head. The first two years after 9-11, the screeners found over 11 million prohibited items that oh they found gosh. in people's suitcases. We found things that you would not believe in children's car seats in strollers oh. hidden in teddy bears. There were a lot of things that were coming through. And so when mm-hmm. people would complain about the elderly or the children being pat down, that's because we found things hidden, prohibited items, knives, guns, oh things like that hidden in these places, because that's what, that's what bad people do. And so I would just like to remind people to thank the screeners. Yeah. They're there for your safety to be able to get safely to where you're going. And, um, and that goes a long way. I mean, everybody likes to just get a thank you mm-hmm. and they deserve it. They don't get enough of them in my humble opinion. So yeah. I make up doing that when I see the screeners, I thank mm-hmm. them for their service and I tell them they're doing a great job. Yeah. Very cool. Maybe like zooming out a little bit, what has motivated you to continue to, um, serve and stay in government positions for as long as you have. Yes, I I would say for someone who used to say, I will never work for the government. (laughs) Now I go, how did I stay in 28 years? Um, I think it is, is definitely the best career I could ever have imagined and beyond. And I think because I ultimately wanna make a difference and I wanna feel that the purpose that I go to every day is making things better and there's a real mission uh, that just is calling for me. It's mm-hmm. not that my talents are being used to make money for shareholders or profit for, yeah. you know, a company. And there are a lot of great companies, but I tend to not be so bottom line driven. I'd like to think mm-hmm. that we're doing things because it is for the good, for the betterment. And we are. And I, I've seen that from all the co- the agencies. The mission is the purpose. And when you go to work every day and you think, wow, I'm contributing to this. Um, it is just an exciting and very intrinsically motivating um, way for me to feel like I'm contributing and and taking again my talents to good use. And yeah. so, yeah, I, I've I've looked at I've worked I started in private sector before I joined the government, and I have a lot of friends in the private sector mm-hmm. um, and who do amazing things as well. But I just feel like this has just provided me just a wonderful career path. And once you're in the federal government, I've worked at eight different agencies. I've moved Mm -hmm. around. I've gotten to contribute to workforces all over the world. And I don't, I don't think there's any better career than to be able to do that. So (laughs) that's what the excitement. And, and as I say, it's, it's hard, but with the right team of people, it's again, just such a, such an amazing experience to, Mm -hmm the possibilities and to be part of that seeing the next best thing that we can do and that is I think really a lot of why people go into federal service or even you know public service in general is Mm -hmm. to make things better to help people um, in where they need you know need some service or something to be done Mm -hmm. definitely okay well Elizabeth I think that we'll start wrapping things up but as a final question that I ask every episode, what is the best piece of life advice that you've been given? Oh my goodness. Um, believe in yourself. You know, 
be confident in who you are and that what you have, your talents, your skills is enough to do amazing things, whatever you can imagine, but definitely have confidence in yourself. And my mother told me that when I was very little and I really questioned whether I would fit in or be able to do something. And that is the best advice. And I think that has enabled me to take some very big challenging jobs yeah. and, um, and, you know, keep going because I, I really, I think that was the best advice I've been given. Okay. Very good advice indeed. And <laughs> I really do think that you have embodied it. You know, I really look up to you and I think that you just seem so confident and knowing what you're doing. So, yeah. Well, thank you again for inviting me. And I hope that your listeners will enjoy hearing a little bit about my story and my meaningful experience. Of course. Thank you so much for being on. So thank you, Elizabeth. And thank you guys for listening and take care.